name's Richard, and this is We're Not Wizards. And joining me tonight, um, he's, I don't know, you could say he's on probation. He's been a repeat offender so many times now. I'm, I'm joined by the, <laughs> it, it's not like he's under you kind of shadows or anything, but there's definitely a bit of a shade of, shades of vengeance about him, because this, this is Ed Jowett, again. Hey, Ed. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm back again. Um, yeah, you, didn't didn't we discuss last time how you just sort of keep me in the corner, just ready to... for whenever it's convenient? It's like um, it's Captain Picard or something like that. Break out the break out the break <laughs> yeah. out the. I'm in my ready room. <laughs> break out the emergency jowet. <laughs> so that's what we've done. But no, I mean that's not fair because actually at the moment what you've got is you've got. Um, You've got a campaign running. When do you not have a campaign running? Um, we're here to talk about ERA, the, um, the it, Empowered. It did happen. Yeah. Sorry, there, there was actually a time, I would like to point out in my defence, there was a time between October and February, well, January, <laughs> where I didn't have any campaigns running at all. Objection, Your Honour. Sustained. He was still marketing. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> He was still talking to people on podcasts about what he was up to, um. But I kind of you was kind of a bit, was a yeah. bit, <laughs> kind of were a bit, sir. Um, we're here to talk about a little bit about Era the Empowered, which is a your yeah. superpowered version. Um, we're superpowered, kind of our our RPG, um, that you've been bringing out. Yes. Um, you for people that haven't, I guess. For people that haven't listened before, the reason that we do this is because, quite simply, everybody needs an edge out on their show. It's as simple as that. And that's the reason that we do this. So, you know, me and Ed talk um, on a regular basis, back and forward. And when he's got a campaign out, it's always good to have him back on to have a chat and see kind of what he's up to. Um, and the other reason that we're doing this is quite simply because, um, I don't know if I've mentioned it, but we're now on Spotify. So we've got... A- <laughs> We've got to keep the Spotify people happy. I know, you know, because this is the thing. That's so it awesome. It's pretty awesome. Do you know what's awesome about it is the fact that you go through the approval process and they say, well, somebody's going to assess your show. <laughs> so some poor guy, <laughs> some poor bad guy at Spotify Towers or whatever has been sitting there having to listen to this. So I'm really sorry. Oh, that's brilliant. I really, really and just think, he's also missed out on all of the Kickstarters that I've been talking about. So he's like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. I really want to get it. Oh, no, failed. I know. I know. He's been building up and going, right, that's it. Much. Links in the show notes, links in the show notes, goes to the show notes, realises that everything that, he's cl- everything that he or she has clicked on is, um, is now completely expired. <laughs> So just heading for yeah. a kind of com- complete um, land of disappointment. Um, last time we were speaking, um, we we were talking uh, space stuff, and now we're talking. Yes, we're yeah. talking. We're now talking superhero stuff. So, um, have you? I mean, this is you've you've done the era the empowered stuff before. If I'm correct. Ah, yes. Well, well remembered or or well spotted. I'm I'm not sure if it's remembered or spotted. It's definitely but whichever remembered. Whichever it is, well done. Well researched, I think, Ed. So um, <laughs> so era the empowered um had a Kickstarter in October 2015. Um, it was actually the third game that I put out. Yeah. And at the time, I only did 
uh, a rulebook primer. Now, um, those people who are familiar with my campaigns would already know this, but um, a rulebook primer contains the basics of the rules that you need to play. Yeah. Um, it usually contains either limited or, in this case, no character creation. Um, and just kind of the, the very, very limited basics with uh, a one-page summary of what it's like to live in the world and then leaping into, here are the rules and here's how it works and here's how you blast someone with your laser eye beams. So is it like, um, um, is it like almost like a demo version of a video game or almost like an alpha or a beta version? Here's a very, you know, here's like a slice of life of what this game is going to be like, and here's some of the main kind of features that are going to be in it to kind of whet people's appetite. Is that kind of how it is? I'd say it was fair to say that for the rulebook primer for Era of the Empowered. Yeah. As a general rule, no. Okay. Actually, the rulebook primers are evolving, and they're becoming player's guides. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, for example, the Era Survival one has full character creation, and all of the starting equipment, everything up to tier 5 that you can get as a starting character. Oh, right, okay, okay. So you're not going to be choosing anything other than that anyway. So, you know, you can literally build a character entirely off that. And then again, there's the one-page summary that says, okay, here's what the world is like, and so on. Era of the Empowered, because it was so early in terms of the actual process of, you know, that I've now become much more accustomed to over 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 the following years... Um, it was a very early game, you know, it was my third game, it was only about a year after I'd had success with Era of the Consortium for the first yeah. time. So, you know, it, it was kind of, I was still finding my feet at that stage. And, um, you know, we had a, a brilliant artist, and interestingly, the person who's done the artwork for this new campaign is exactly the same person as the one who did the artwork for the old book. Oh, right, okay. Um, but if you look at the two side by side, you, you may not even realise that. Um, you know, we updated the style a lot. Uh, Keith is a very talented artist. I'm, I'm very, very lucky to be working with him. And uh, we updated the style a lot to be a lot more like the um, the recent Wonder Woman run. Yeah, okay. Uh, from last mm -hmm. year. Uh, you know, the artwork really captivated me from that. I thought it was very, very good. So, you know, we picked up this more modern style. You know, the older one was a bit more sort of Silver Age style. Um, we picked up this more modern style and, and we've been sort of telling this story and those of those of your listeners who um listened to us speak before about era of the consortium will remember that it's 500 years of playable history and it gives you every subgenre of sci-fi and that's really what that game is intended to do yeah yeah so is is now since, is this different then? since i made that yeah. game i've not done that again no um this is the first time since then that I've done the same sort of thing. So Era Survival is a really, really detailed world, but it's one one moment in that really, really detailed world. Right. And it's exciting, and, and there are loads of things to explore, but there's just the one situation. Okay. And Era the Empowered was always supposed to be something that, much like Era the Consortium, gave this ability to tell any subgenre of story within the parent genre that you want to tell. So Era of the Empowered, you know, you can step in at the start of the at the start of the timeline and you can be one of the first empowered to appear. No one's ever really heard of it before. You are literally one of the first superheroes or supervillains, you know, depending on on what you prefer. Um <clears throat> and how do you respond to that? How do you respond to finding that you have powers? And if you want to tell that kind of story, you can do that. And then if you want to do um 
the the timeline follows all of the kind of tropes that you would expect from uh, superhero universes very very deliberately. Um, I I actually have had uh, a good friend of mine, Jonathan Lewis. Um, he worked with me on uh, creating this universe and getting the timeline right. Yeah. And uh, he's actually got 15 years experience of writing comics for some big names. Uh, I'm not actually allowed to say what, unfortunately, because of NDAs. But um, he's been, you know, he's been working for uh, on comics of heroes that you will have heard of. Oh, really? Okay. That's all I can really say. Oh, that's good. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we're, we're talking A-list stuff. Um, I mean, is it is it so... is it easier? <clears throat> when you're talking about designing the heroes and saying you're kind of going for the lo- the normal tropes, is it easier to go for characters that people will say it's kind of like this character or it's kind of like that character because it's kind of easier to get them maybe into their comfort zone and maybe for them to make it easier so to kind of design like the character. it's like Spider-Man, but he has different powers. Kind yeah, of. I mean, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing. So people can think, well... I've already got a basis of a character in my head, a well-loved character, but I can take it in a different direction if I want to. So kind of like the main stuff's there. All I, all I need to do is to decide what I want to to kind of make my own kind of thing. Is that is that where you're trying to go with the Empowered? Not particularly. Um, actually, it's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, because I've been running playtests of this game for over three years uh-huh. now. And... Um, during that time, I've run a lot of them at conventions. Hundreds and hundreds of people have played this game at conventions all over the UK. And um, w- one of the things that I do is I have to explain the the six characters that you can play as, right? So, you know, um, I've, I've tried varying it up a bit. Um, and I find that some characters you can explain well without referring to sort of Marvel or DC characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other characters that you really do need to refer to it for. For example, um, <clears throat> I can explain that one of the characters has what I refer to as visceral telekinesis. Now, that manifests as super strength and being able to fly, mm. but it's actually telekinesis, right? So she will punch you at a normal kind of human level, and then her telekinesis will turn that into a super-powered punch. And and I don't really need to mention Superman to explain that, you know, she has super strength and can fly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Whereas on the other hand, there's another character who I found it very, very useful to mention. Um, she's a little bit like Green Lantern, but with shadows. So she can make anything right. she likes okay. out of shadows. Yeah, yeah. She can shape stuff. And everyone instantly knows exactly what I'm talking about because I mentioned Green Lantern, but with shadows. So it, it really varies from character to character. Um, and, uh, it, it's actually, as I said, a really interesting question. I don't, I don't intend for everyone to only be able to play characters that they know of and already exist. And certainly there are some characters in this setting, you know, that are the main characters who have powers that are perhaps not the basic obvious stuff. Um, we've got someone who can pull any object out of his pocket that he encountered in the last 24 hours to varying degrees of success. All right, okay. Um so you know he he needs uh you know he needs a weapon he might reach into his pocket and pull out a baseball bat or 
as on the uh, front front image of the Kickstarter there, uh, in the bottom left-hand corner, he might pull out a rubber chicken. You know, it, it it's not it's not exactly reliable. And and if you like the sound of that, um, keep listening because I'm bound to talk in a few minutes about the audio stuff we're doing. And he has an audio story entirely devoted to him. All right, okay. Uh, it's story number one. So I'll talk about that in just a minute. But um, in answer to your question, um, you can play as people. You could play as Spider Man. I have built. Uh, Superman, Martian Manhunter, Iron Man. I I have built all of these characters in the system to make sure that it works, to make sure that it supports things. Yeah. So people could run. People could run a DC Marvel event. They could say, "Okay, let's run a clash between different characters from those from those kind of universes and kind of see what happens." If you wanted to do that, yeah. you absolutely could. Okay. Yeah. Equally, you could create weak nuclear force man. Um. He has the ability to control the weak nuclear force. Um, that was one of our playtest characters. Rubbish, su- um, rubbish superheroes. Oh no, it's it's brilliant. Um, he he has the ability to make anything he likes radioactive. See, I'd, I'd like an ability for people who, um, no matter how much they try to close a cupboard or a door, it always remains slightly ajar. <laughs> So that's your power. You are a sadist. You could go around and you could just say, right, and it just it's just an effect that, that, that kind of gets on them, but they basically, they go to try and shut a cupboard door, or they go and try and shut a door, it remains slightly ajar. It doesn't work on car doors or heavy mechanical stuff, but just like doors. Do you know what I mean? Goes to sh- like, a, like you get a glass out of the cupboard, you try to close the cupboard, the cupboard or, is just like a few millimetres open. Do you open. know what it's almost like? It's like, you know how if you get... If if you put a positive to a positive on a magnet and there's just a slight force, right? And they just it just yeah, it they just, just appears. Won't and just won't. It's not a case that they're yeah. wide open. We're not talking like the sixth sense scene, where the mother turns around and every cupboard's kind of and drawers wide open. All I'm talking about is maybe a couple of millimeters, just enough. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And it's just, just enough to for it. Just enough to annoy. Just you. enough so it's not sitting flush. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And everyone's going like that. Well, what did we do? Well, we stopped the bad guy. What did you do? Well, you know, I uh, I basically destroyed all of his weapons by Yeah, why are you in prison? <laughs> what did you do? Well, I made sure that for the next 24 hours, <laughs> if, when, as, he, as he goes around his house, he won't actually be able to have the privacy of going to the toilet because the door won't lock properly. <laughs> oh, dear. But are you tempted? I mean, I take it, does that, is this relying on the players? Can players sit down and say, right, let's have, you know, a comedy type experience or let's have yeah. a really really kind of serious kind of experience no, kind of a- thing, absolutely yeah. i um in fact uh we, we've done both but uh most recently and i'm actually playing a game on saturday uh i don't know if this will come out before that or not but i'm actually playing one of our playtests on saturday and i'm currently playing one of the characters um and uh she is in fact the one i mentioned earlier who uh can fly and has super strength so she decided that she didn't want to get in a lift with a bunch of sweaty people <laughs> So she can fly, so she flew up the outside of the building and knocked on the window. And the response of the guy inside was to close the blinds. <laughs> so she punched the window. And the GM goes, no, 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 the window is completely indestructible. There is there is nothing you can do to break the window. I'm like, fine, okay. I go back down, um, I walk up to one of the other characters who's an alien. Uh, he happens to have a plasma cannon. So I, I sort of tap him on the shoulder and point over there, grab his plasma cannon, run outside, fire at the window, 
Now, the entire wall around the window is destroyed, but the window just falls out and hits the ground, completely unscathed. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I return his plasma cannon to him, and then I fly up and through the hole where the window used to be. And the guy inside is going, what? I'm like, you didn't open the window. Do you do... I knocked on the window and you closed the blind. I mean, come on. That's just rude. Do you do, you do a voice? Uh, I I'm not good at voices. Uh, there are there are those in my in my in my group and in in my team who are very very good at voices, but I am not. Um, I can't do accents and I can't do voices. This, this, this came this up last time. Get. I think every time you've been on, I've tried to get you to do an accent, and you've point blank refused and stuck to your guns and says, "I do I not do can't. I do not do accents." Right? Do not ask me to do voices. Well, actually, it's funny because I was talking about the audio stuff. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And um, which is which is uh, which is the link uh, um, you see? It's because I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna. You're ruining, you're right. ruining my vibe, my 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 show notes and my really my sorry. organized kind of thing. I'm you're really just sorry. wrecking it. You're <laughs> wrecking it. You're like you're Grace Jonesing my show. Um, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say because that ties in. If you're not doing voices, then who's kind of doing voices for the audio? You see, but you ruined it, Ed. It's fine. No, no, what? I'm really sorry. So. <laughs> The answer is Leo. Um, Leo Kosh, um, very talented guy. Yeah. Um, and actually, I directed the ones which are on the Kickstarter. There are going to be five in total. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three currently out. There's another one coming out on Sunday. Um, and they they touch on uh, many of the eras that I was mentioning earlier. So um, Approaching Atlantis uh, is the second one. Um, it's based at the point where Atlantis, Atlantis invades the surface. So, um, yeah, Atlantis is a thing. It does invade the surface world. Uh, superheroes have to fight back. It's that kind of trope. It's deliberately there. Because Just in case you want to play that game. It's because people, well, people and, are familiar um, with it as well. So, I mean, if you put in scenarios... Indeed, indeed. Is, it, is it? I guess if you said, you know, that it's different with Consortium because you've got 500-year history. So I'm guessing people are involved in that. Once they read all the background material, it's easier for them to kind of create a campaign i think with superheroes if you're including kind of like what people would maybe expect to see it makes it easier yeah. for them to concentrate on their own character development and not necessarily have to worry about the story as much i guess i think i think that's also true of sci-fi actually with era the consortium because you know you you might be a fan of aliens and you want to go off and do an aliens campaign yeah. well era the consortium supports that and and really, that's exactly the same thing for Era the Empowered. You know, you think, okay, well, um, I want to do where you are super ha- superpowered policemen, mm-hmm. um, and you're going around, you're stopping supervillains from doing their thing, and you're trying to save the world from the various, you know, the various nasties that are going on. So you're basically the Justice League, but government sanctioned. All right, okay, right. Um, that's one of the eras, um, and actually, the fifth episode that we produce of the audio stuff will be about that. So. All of these things are within that timeline. It's a five-year timeline which has all of these different things that you might want. Yeah. But um, talking of the voices, right? Um, so Leo, <clears throat> Leo sat there and and he produced these amazing voices, and I'm just sat there going, "Oh my god, I, I it's fantastic!" Because I was directing him, so I was going, "Oh, that's not quite right," or "Can you repeat that sentence? It's not quite, mm. you know, not quite got the right emphasis or whatever." So I was doing that stuff, and um, there therefore were times when I was saying, "No, no, no, you should say it like this," and I would attempt an accent, <laughs> and we'd both fall about laughing because I am so bad. 
Can you not? Can um, you not do? I, I, I am. I can am you not really just bad. even try an accent? Can you do like an Can you do Superman? I I canna. I canna. You're Joe. You're so joking. You can't do Superman. You can do Batman. <laughs> Anybody can do Batman. No, I I, I can't. No, I can't do nah, Batman. See, that... <laughs> see, I'm shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like you with a cold. <laughs> there you go. I I can't do it. I cannot do it. I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take the Michael at you. That's kind of not fair. But you know. Oh wow. I could just imagine you directing. You say no. It's like this, and then it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and and I'll I'll be doing that kind of Batman voice, and they'll be like. Okay. <laughs> do you want do you want a cup of tea, Ed? Because it sounds like you've got a bit of a you've got a bit of a going on at the moment. Was it? I mean, where did the idea for the audio stuff come along? I mean, did you just decide on this Kickstarter, or has it been something that's been kind of brewing for a while? Because that's some that's some kind of undertaking. I mean, uh, I mean, doing this. I mean, every show that we do probably takes about another two and a half, three, if not longer hours to kind of edit and put together. Yes, I do edit and put it together, people. I know you just think I slap a front of the end bit and just stick it out there, but, um, you know, I do like to listen to me being very funny at several points in my own podcast, so sometimes it takes a little bit longer to put together, but it does take an awful lot longer, especially if you're doing um, an an audio drama. I mean, I was listening to... um, David, uh, it's a friend of the show, David Steele. He's done um, an audio drama uh, called Arc City, which if you haven't listened, look it up. It's very, very small episodes and they're really, really fantastic. But, I mean, the amount of work that goes into getting all the sound, the sound effects, the foley and just getting everything kind of sounding right and flowing. Did it take some time to put kind of everything together, Ed, when you were doing it? Um, I'll, I'll be totally honest. Um. At, when the voice acting ends, yeah. my role kind of stops for the most part. I mean, I'll listen to it at the end yeah. and make sure that, you know, gaps are right and so on and, and, and sound effects don't overcome or whatever. Yeah. But um, but what Leo actually does all of that work. So, you know, we'll sit down for an hour and we'll record, you know, what will turn into a five or ten minute episode. Yeah. Half an hour for five minutes and, and, and maybe an hour for ten yeah. minutes. Uh, yeah, that's roughly what it takes to to sort of get it done, including the voices and figuring out what the voices sound like and so on. So we'll sit down, we'll do that, and um, then he will take that away. He'll cut together the bits that he likes um, and that we agreed were good, and then he'll put any you know any sound effects over that, and then he will sort of finish it off. Now the thing is that he actually ran into me because of exactly this kind of thing. All right. So. Um, we started out, uh, I was at a convention, and he was a, a final year student in sound design at um, Goldsmiths University. And he said to me, uh, hey, um, I love your setting, Era the Consortium, that was the only one we had at the time, and uh, I love your setting, can I please do my final project within this setting? Uh, it's an audio drama where I'm going to be doing soundscaping, and I'm going to be directing voice actors, and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And I said, sure, of course, you know, I mean, I'd be happy to lend a hand, that sounds awesome. And he produced something called Hardcastle's Havoc, which again, as you were saying, um, it's about 10 minutes long. Um, And if you have a spare 10 minutes, I'd say it's worth a listen. It's good fun. It's set in the uh, era of the Consortium universe, uh, just after Sean Hardcastle, the the noted pirate, (laughs) 
uh, just after he left the consortium for the first time, yeah. before he became the pirate. He's he's sort of trying to reclaim his name, and uh, things go wrong. And I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's a great story that he and I sort of wrote together. Um, and then he went away and did his thing, and did his project, and, and produced it, and finished it. And ever since then, you know, he's been joining me for... Uh, you know, for playtests, and and he's one of the one of the major parts of our team at conventions. Um, so he's really become part of the Shades of Vengeance team. And ever since then, he's always wanted to do more of that stuff. Um, so one of the things we've been doing is we've been working on an audio project called Radio Free Tyrannus. Um, again, it's based on the Consortium universe, and uh, it's going to be coming soonish. We've already finished one episode and sent it to beta listeners and it had really really good uh good comments comments on it. Um I'm writing it uh with the one of the writers, one of the main writers from Era the Consortium is working with me. All right, okay. Um and I am actually voicing uh a character within it as well. What's your character um, called? Who who It's it's a uh he doesn't actually have a name. Um He's known in the script as the advertiser oh uh, because he reads out all of the adverts. Um, he it's Ed and he reads out all of the adverts, right? So he's the advertiser. Um, what is this? It's the it's the here comes the robot. Here comes the robot advertiser. What's his name? It's uh, EDJ zero W three three TT. Indeed. Um. And, uh, and you know, I, I actually am doing a little bit of acting. I'm not doing any accents, but, you know, like, I'm sounding bored or sarcastic or annoyed or whatever. Those things I can do. Um... <laughs> go and do, 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 do an advert. Go on. Ed, go and do an advert. Just an advert. Uh, I, I, I would have to... Uh, you know what? I'll have to pull up a script. Um, oh, don't. No, don't. Because I can't remember oh, any of them on. offhand. Right, have you got... No, I, I, I can't. I'm awful at this stuff. Uh, uh, but literally, give me one second because it's right. Oh, that's here, awesome! And I'm sure I can pull up an advert here. Okay. And I'll do you. This is this is totally exclusive. No one but the beta listeners have heard any of this. So is this a, what, so, what is this um, an advert for? Uh, I'm going to tell you in a minute. I'm just looking for for one from episode one. Here we go. Um, uh, this is for. Um, let's see. Um, what's good here? Uh a, um, ah, here we are. Um, an advertisement for a Velithi chiropractic office. Velithi are one of the species in Era the Consortium. So, <clears throat> it goes something like Let me this. lead you in. Let me lead you in, okay? Okay. 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 And with, uh, with, uh, with news of meteor strikes uh, hitting and causing disruption across the, the central belt, we're going to come back after the break to discuss how you can defend your spaceship against you know, thousands of tons worth of uh, frost giants heading your way. But first, uh, a word from our sponsors. New Horizons Chiropractic Office has immediate openings for clients. They are a brand new clinic in the Diane Green Medical Complex in Terma District. If you're suffering from chronic pain, there's no better relief than Dr. Cloudless Summer Sky's personalised body adjustments. Call now for an appointment. Serving Ulutian, human, and Velithi communities. Sorry, no Zimians at this time. That's brilliant. <laughs> so there you go. I, I I do that kind of stuff. That's brilliant. Um, cool. And uh, and that's that's what I do in this in this Radio Free Tyrannus. And uh, the the sorts of things that you're talking about are, um, you know, 
uh, that you were saying are the sorts of things that that uh, Leo's character, uh, Midnight Terry, he's called, right. um, is is talking about. He's uh, he's slightly paranoid. He slightly believes the companies are all ganging up on him, and uh, we've we've got a wonderful ten episode arc where um, you know sort of he gradually gets more and more paranoid. Um, and, and starts making greater and greater accusations until the companies kind of have no choice but to take notice. But the interesting thing is that in the meantime, the companies begin to advertise on his show because he gets more listeners, right? Yeah. So they're advertising because he's getting listeners and, and getting them exposure, but, you know, kind of um, he's getting more and more paranoid about them. So, you know, we, we've got this wonderful dichotomy there about, about the two characters, and my character probably only gets about three or four minutes per episode. It, it doesn't do much speaking out of the half hour, but, you know, it's it's sort of, it's a bit of fun, and it, it breaks things up a bit, and Amy writes those adverts fantastically. Um, you know, she, she, she writes some serious ones and some humorous ones, and, you know, there, there's one where he's talking about sort of um, Vilithi... Uh, off-label medical cures that you know may cause you to spontaneously sing. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of having to to read this out in a deadpan sort of way, um, which is yeah, uh, it's it's quite it's quite an interesting challenge for me as someone who's not really a voice actor. But as I said, the beta listeners seem to enjoy it. Uh, maybe your listeners um, enjoyed my little cameo there. <laughs> Um, we'll see. If you like it, then, uh, Radio Free Tyrannus, it'll be coming. But, back to Era of the Empowered. Yeah, back to- <laughs> Um, we, we sort of, um, we're also doing an audiobook for Era of the Consortium. So all of that 500 years of history is made up of short stories. And we actually did these five episodes as a kind of warm-up to the Era of the Consortium book yeah. to sort of figure out what it sounds like. And we're giving these away for free, you know. Uh we're not we're not trying to to make any money off them. We're literally just doing them to go, hey, um, this is what we think the universe sounds like. You know, what one step beyond what it looks like, here's what it sounds like. I think that's important. I think it's a, I, Yeah, I think... I think it's more important than most people give it credit for, particularly in role playing games. Yeah, I think it's it's always people will always remember what um there's a difference between. Do you know what it is? I'll tell you what it was. Was it whenever they adapt a book into a film, and you get the characters' voices, and it's like as a like yeah. like it never sounds right. No, it's like yeah. um, you, Harry, you know, as a young as a young man, young man, huh? Uh, yeah. But reading the Harry Potter books, and I remember reading the Harry Potter books before the actual films kind of came out, yeah. and kind of yeah, yeah, I, I was the same and. Harry Potter does not sound like that, and Hermione definitely, definitely doesn't, doesn't sound yeah, like know. that. I know. You know, and 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 since when was <laughs> sorry? Since when was Cho Chang Scottish? <laughs> that that threw me. I remember that because I I saw the movie and I was like, what? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it's totally valid, right? I'm not I'm not complaining about the fact they included a Scottish person in the movie, but yeah, you better watch that, Ed. What? <laughs> what? Like like. No, I mean my head voice for her. No, yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and it it it, it threw me completely, um, in that particular movie. Um, I, I I have to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the Harry Potter movies. I liked the books. I read them as I was growing up. The movies 
never seem to measure up. But that's a that's a book turning into movie problem, which I could rant about for hours. Yeah, I guess what I guess my point was about you know reading something for so long and then actually yeah. finding out what they think the actual sounds should be for that particular character. I mean, it goes all the way through. I mean, you can even say the thing about you know touching on the going back to the empowered is the the comic book thing is a very very big thing. You know, it's like what does super what does mm. Superman sound like when he's flying? You know, what does the Batmobile sound like? You know, what does the Joker? Yeah, you know? and and actually, it's 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 funny because before I ever read a Batman comic, I watched one of the Batman animated series, and so I knew what Batman sounded like. Yeah, and and in a sense, that's sort of what we're doing here because before anyone's read any of these stories, they will have listened to the audio episodes. Um, you will know what Martian Pants Man sounds like. Uh, that's the guy with the rubber chicken. That ah, I right, okay, earlier. okay. He he wants to be called Forethought. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, when he first discovered his powers, he staggered into town drunk, found a mugger, pulled a police car out of his pocket, <laughs> um, and uh, and told the policeman to arrest the mugger, which he did, and then he loudly declared to someone with a video going of this random event that he was Martian Pants Man saviour of the universe <laughs> so like, um, and unfortunately kind of <laughs> no matter how many times he asks people to call him forethought yeah. everyone refers to him as Martian Pants Man of course um, and actually we have a play with that in the Technodile story that's the the episode one the, the audio episode one because um, yeah it's 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 a way of fleshing out the universe, and we have our own comics as well. Um, we've actually got one on Kickstarter right now called Blue Shift. Uh, it's well overfunded. In fact, we're nearly at a stretch goal that'll double the length of the comic. Um, and that's for the speedster, Blue Shift. Blue Shift's um, one of the... Blue Shift features... You, you feature him in the actual video for how you do the character sheets within the yep. Empower, don't you? Uh, it's her, but oh, yes, sorry. it is. Uh, she is the one that I that I build in in that. Um, we've also done Lacuna, who uh, and and again, you know, we're we're talking about oh, it's like this. Lacuna is a bit like if you had the ability to make portals like the game Portal. Yeah. Okay. You you see, you instantly know what he can do mm. and what he can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Lacuna has his own comic. Uh, Blue Shift has her own comic. Violet, my my character that I mentioned earlier, has been written a little more sensibly in her comic. Um, she doesn't actually blast any walls down with plasma cannons, which I think is disappointing. But um, <laughs> apparently, that's, that's just you know just uh, not a done thing. Does it, um... Jonathan, who I mentioned earlier, is is the head of comics for us, so he sort of put his foot down and said, "No, we're we're not doing that. That's too silly." Does it? Um... Hearing actual voices, does that inspire you when you're writing scenarios then? As you're kind of providing kind of voices to the world? Or, you know, does it help when you're trying to imagine kind of scenarios and stuff like that? Does it help at all when you're kind of putting those things together? For me personally, absolutely. Um, You know, if if you know that a character sort of speaks in a very halting way with loads of of gaps, Mm -hmm. like there are like they're a bit paranoid, you know, you 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 automatically build up a a picture of this character. You know exactly who they are immediately. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and and if you're then going to write a scenario where they're either you know maybe they're NPC support or maybe they're even the villain or you know you you instantly know that this person's going to act in a certain way when they're cornered or when they're kidnapped or you know however you want to work out that scenario it leads you from A to B to C to D because for me both story writing and scenario writing are about a journey from one place to another. Yeah. I mean the um I'm just looking at I'm just actually having a quick look at the the blue well I mean we'll put a, a a link into the into the show notes for kind of like blue shift itself. Um because it kind of look and we might as well, you know. Mm. Um sure sure yeah I mean, absolutely. I mean as you as you're kind of expanding the you know I mean you've done the audio stuff. I mean are you thinking about expanding into anything else? I mean are you thinking about um, you're talking about the short stories for either the consortium. I mean, the comics are obviously short stories, but are you thinking about kind of doing other kind of media for the empowered to kind of expand on? Well, actually, I've literally, literally just finished doing one. Um, I did a, I did a previous Kickstarter. I mentioned, uh, I, I said initially October and February I didn't do anything. No, it was actually October and January because I launched a Kickstarter in January. Um, that produced a an anthology of short stories that I call Tales of the Empowered. Uh, this was aiming to give people the chance to put their own hero in the Empowered universe, because I I stand by Era the Empowered, and, and it can handle any power that you want to add to it. Yeah, okay. Um, I have not yet come across anything that couldn't work. Um, a couple of things need two power trees. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of detail on the Kickstarter about how the power trees are built. Um, it's under, uh, your character. Uh, there's a title called your character and, uh, I go into a lot of detail. Um, that's where the creation of the blue shift character is that you mentioned a minute ago. Yeah. And then at the bottom of that section, there's a, a detailed description of, okay, so this is what a tier one power is, tier two power, tier three power, and how you choose and how you make a difference. Um, there's obviously a lot more about that in the rulebook, and actually there are 45 examples, example power trees in the rulebook for sort of all of the main types of powers that I could think of, from Wolverine kind of healing, um, you know, uh, telepathy, having other people's powers, you know, copying other people's powers, all of that stuff. Um, it, it's all in there as, as examples. So, you know, if you, if there is one of those 45 that appeals to you, you know, and you, and, or it's really, really close, then it's a quick, ad, quick adaptation for what you want. Um, but, you know, the, the basis of the thing is, that any hero could be expressed in these power trees. I've had a couple of problems, as I said. Um, Martian Manhunter has too wide a depth of powers. Yeah. Um, he's got too many things that he can do. So what I do, um, and, and you're allowed to do this within the actual rules, uh, you have two power trees. You just add a second power tree to your character, and even a third or a fourth or a fifth. You know, you, you can model characters that are as powerful as Galactus... By adding extra power trees in. And, you know, if you want to make your character into the Silver Surfer, for example, uh, the GM can then decide, okay, well, we're all going to be cosmic level characters. That means you're all going to have four power trees. Go ahead and choose what you want. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how much how much are you charging at the moment? What If you want to get your foot in the door for either um, the Empower... If you want to... Yeah. 
if you want to get the digital for Era of the Empowered, it is $15. Uh, it's a 300-page rulebook, uh, full colour, $15. Um, if you want to get the physical, um, that is... Let me make sure I find the right tier here. $42. Uh, that comes to about £30. That's not an awful lot for a... For that number of pages, especially if it's all fully illustrated, I and like I, I a, think it's very reasonable. It's a, it's a bargain, um, Ed. Come on, that is a bargain. I, I I'm British. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I have to understate. It is a bargain. It's a fantastic deal. Um, we are trying to thank the people who back the Kickstarter and make the project a reality. Yeah. Right. And you know, when it goes on sale, it's likely to cost a little more. Uh, when it goes on on proper sale. Um, but. You know, this this is a, a price at which we can afford to produce the book. We can afford to do all of this wonderful artwork with Keith. Um, and you only have to watch the video to see, you know, all of the all of the images that he's done. It's it, it it's a beautiful game, and and it's entirely thanks to Keith and all all the work that he's put in. I mean, you're I mean, you're funded. I mean, you've got. I mean, at this at the time we're recording is ten days to go. So you're not only funded, but you're double. Correct. I mean, you're double funded, which seems to be good. Uh, yeah, we are. Which is, I mean, that's yeah. that's a that's a that's a nice happy place to kind of be. Um, are you? I mean, I know we spoke last time when we mentioned about you know doing potentially doing other things. I mean, are you? Here's a question for you. You've been doing this. I mean, you're you've been doing this for about four years now. The Kickstarter stuff. Uh, six. Is it six? Uh, well, Kickstarter, Kickstarter, successful Kickstarter is about four years. Right. Okay. Have, have you noticed quite? Have you noticed a change in Kickstarter? I mean, I'm not because you know most people I speak to, it's like they they do maybe one or two Kickstarters, unless obviously we're talking about the more prolific people out there. But even the most prolific people out there are putting out maybe you know one one Kickstarter a year. I mean, you're kind of your your Druid City Games kind of guys. I mean, they're maybe putting out, you know, a couple a year, um, if that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm knocking on the door of 30. At the I know, moment. I know. Is there... I mean, are you, are you noticing a change in how Kickstarter is? Have you noticed a change over the last four years? Has it become... Is it is it more difficult... Is it become more difficult for you to continue to fund kind of using Kickstarter? Or are you kind of in a... You're kind of a, like a nice niche place where other things kind of aren't other you, there's not really that many kind of external influences that can have a negative kind of impact on the campaign I think that um Kickstarter has changed um I think there are probably fewer people who are willing to take a risk with something they don't know these days um I think when I first started a lot more people were willing to put 40 quid towards something and 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 take the risk yeah um, and I think there are too many stories out there now of Kickstarters who took the money and ran. Um, as as uh, as I pointed out a minute ago, you know, this is my my twenty uh, eighth Kickstarter. Um, you know, I, I've built a reputation around delivering, um, and I think that as long as I continue to deliver, I will continue to grow the audience. Of people who are willing to help. And I think that 
if you were to come into it today, you would struggle a lot more than I did when I first started. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think... Yeah. Um, it, it, it also seems to become a lot more potluck. Um, I, I, I don't see as much impact of advertising or, you know, having, having media articles written about you or whatever as I did when I first started. There doesn't seem to as, be as much impact. And I think that people are, in terms of hearing new stuff, getting more jaded about it. You know, oh, it's another Kickstarter. And I, I'm not just saying that because I've done 30. Um, you know, it's, it's oh, it's another tabletop role-playing game Kickstarter. Okay, am I interested in the game becomes the important thing rather than, ooh, I can get in on the ground level. Yeah, I think it's... Um... And I think that's yeah. Other. Yeah, I mean, I I've changed my my reward offerings to reflect that. Um, a, as the years go by, if you go back and you look at some of my oldest Kickstarters, and then you look at some of the newer stuff, you know, you'll you'll see a a marked difference between what I'm offering and and why I'm offering it. Um, the the fundamentals haven't changed. You know, you can still get the rule book, and you can still get. You know the digital rulebook or the physical rulebook or the hardback or whatever, but um, you know the the what the way in which it's being offered has changed a lot because the audience isn't looking for oh it's new and shiny anymore because they've been let down too many times by new and shiny. Yeah. Um, I think they're looking for oh this sounds like a really good concept they're going to deliver. I'm interested enough to buy it. Do you- it's it's less. Yeah, that's what it is, really. It's it's less, oh, I'd like to see this become a reality, and more, I'd like to buy this. Do you do you think with you being in a in a kind of the niche? It's not a niche side, but you know the the kind of you know what I mean the the kind of the role playing game side of Kickstarter. I mean, you still fall under the tabletop games category, so people that are kind of yeah. browsing for your stuff are going to come up against kind of like you know. The really, you know, the really big players out there. Do you think it'd be yeah. helpful to? Now, I'm not going to say what people are going to expect to say, which is, you know, do you think the big guys should have their own place? I don't think that. But do you think that the tabletop side of Kickstarter is getting big enough to a point that it's maybe potentially worthwhile subsectioning that a little bit more? Like instead of tabletop games, you have card games, and you have miniatures games, and you have role-playing games. Well, yeah, I mean, for yeah, I was thinking, yeah, exactly. I was thinking more of kind of like a role-playing game, kind of tabletop game kind of divide. Because I think that, uh, sure. you know, just to to get, have a section that people can go into if they're kind of interested in that, um, to give them their own kind of dedicated section. Because you're under, as I say, you're under kind of tabletop games, which seems to be a huge yeah. section full of so many different things. Um it is, and and it's actually one of the um, best turnovers for Kickstarter numbers. Oh, it's, yeah. it's one of the best. Yeah, um, it's tabletop games. Um, I I would like to see that, but primarily for selfish reasons. I'm not sure if there are enough tabletop role playing games to make that worthwhile. I'm also not sure if. There are, if the audience on Kickstarter are only looking for tabletop role-playing games, or if they're open to anything that's interesting enough that would take roughly the right amount of time. 
So, you know, for example, I'm going to I'm going to take the last board game I played, which was Settlers of Catan. Mm. Um, you know, it you, you can take 2 3 4 hours over over playing Settlers of Catan. Um, you can also take that length of time over playing a role-playing game. Do we think people are looking for a game that they can play with a bunch of friends that will take 2 3 4 hours, or do we think people are looking for a tabletop role-playing game versus a board game? Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I think I think it would be something very interesting to see, and I definitely think that those people who are looking for tabletop role-playing games would find what they're looking for more easily. Yeah. But I also suspect that you would find you get fewer impulse buys from people who were really there looking for board games and saw a role-playing game that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. As a, so I'm yeah. not sure how that would balance out. It's difficult because it's like, would you get less traffic? But is there kind of yeah. is there kind of quite a lot of external influences to Kickstarter now? So many external influences to Kickstarter. I mean, like you know, KickTrack for instance. I mean, um, yeah. every time I see a campaign, everybody talks about KickTrack, and KickTrack basically all it is is it's kind of like a an estimation de- device for helping yep. helping people to see what is really really popular, what is funding really really well, and what is likely to do big numbers, which grates with me. <laughs> and I'll tell you, yeah, I'll, I mean honestly, and I'll tell you honestly, yeah. for me, KickTrack is a tool that's supposed to be used by creators. Yes, you know. Uh, Customers should not be going on to KickTrack and going, "Oh, that's made ten million dollars. It must be brilliant." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's not the way round it works. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going to say. Is like it, it measures maybe number of backers, it measures the percentages going to fund over, but it doesn't seem to potentially measure how it it doesn't measure kind of maybe how interesting the game might be or how different the game might be or. Right. What's unusual about it? Because let's face it, okay, you go to kick track. Let's you know Batman. Let's talk Batman. Batman's we're talking about kind of super you know superhero right. things. The Batman behemoth is there. He's the top of kick track. It's probably the the top of the BGG hot list. It's probably the the top of everything at the moment in relation to board games or Kickstarters because of his success. And fair play to Monolith for doing it. They have pulled an absolute blinder of a campaign. Yeah. Um, but if you were yeah. looking at Kick Track, you might not necessarily see the fifty or so other games which are potentially really also worthwhile looking at because they'll be further down, and there'll also be hundreds of people maybe clicking on the Kick Track link because that's the other thing that I see people saying: click on the Kick Track link. I do it myself, you know. If I if I'm a part of a campaign at all then I'm always encouraging people to click on the kick track link because what that does is that helps it move up the kick track link of hotness, the table of hotness kind of thing. Right. Um, right. So it's kind of, I just, no, I'm just interested in your take because obviously if I ask somebody who's running a board game campaign, I think they'd love to see almost like showcase, you know, here's this month's showcase kind of campaign. You know, and Batman would be in the showcase campaign because it's obviously going to do millions. Gloomhaven might be there. Uh, all these, you know, Kingdom Death Monster might be there because they're guaranteed they're going to fund ridiculously huge numbers of numbers. And then I'm thinking about guys kind of in the in the middle, like guys like your, you, you know, your Seize the Beans that I had on, the guys from uh, Seize the Bean that I had on recently. There's 
um, the guys uh, of war, you know, of uh, of war and men that were on who are coming to come in and be funded, they're not going to do even Kamisama when I was speaking to AJ the other night. They're not going to do millions and millions of pounds, but they're they're all very very interesting, very very kind of fun looking games. And how do you kind of get that name? So it's just interested to see from your perspective as somebody who maybe there people aren't going to stand there and go, oh, I can either pledge to Batman or I can pledge to kind of era the empowered because it's you're you're looking at pretty much two different subgenres. So I was just I was just being nosy and interested in your take on it. Yeah, no, um that's that's uh that's a really interesting uh sort of topic in general. See um al- although you're right, Batman is is a monster, you know, there have been Seventh Sea and there's been Conan and there's been various other ones which really kind of hit a, a massive, massive number on Kickstarter. Yeah. And um you know, for for tabletop role playing games, you know, a couple of million is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um and uh I I think that there is a fundamental problem in all of these things. Kicktrack, also Kickstarters, um uh projects we love. These things are not decided based on necessarily how good the project actually is or how interesting or how different, as you were saying. They're based on, particularly KickTrack, it's based on numbers, yeah, because you yeah. can do that in an automated and easy way. There's no person who has to look at it and figure out whether it's interesting or not. Ex- yeah, um, exactly. You, you, just, you just put the highest number at the top, and therefore that's the best, and therefore it gets better and better and better. And then all of the things which are unique or are trying to do something different, and I'd like to think that I fall into that into that category, you know, with Era the Empowered, with Era the Consortium, I'm trying to do something that's a bit different that you don't see every day in role-playing games. You seem to be... And because... I was going to say, you seem to be quite comfortable now with not... not chasing the big numbers. You know, as in... I... I th- don't get me wrong, I would love to have big numbers, but, um, you know, I've got to be realistic, and the realistic thing is that, unfortunately... Unless you have, in, in tabletop role-playing, unless you have a property that people have already heard of, yeah. um, 7th C, Conan, Starfinder, people have already heard of all of these games, right? They already know them, and they'll go, yeah, I'll, I'll get that because I enjoyed the last one, or, or I played one game of that ten years ago and I remember it being awesome, I'll buy it. You know, there's a lot, a lot of nostalgia in the uh, in the tabletop role-playing game community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is absolutely fine. But as a new guy, you know, I don't get to take advantage of that. So what I find, and, and one of the things that I would really like to see change if there was any way of doing it, would be to give those large campaigns that are already going to be large and huge and massive less publicity. And I'm not necessarily saying give it to my campaigns. Give it to other campaigns. Give it to campaigns who you might not hear of otherwise, right? Um, there is a there's a card game um, that I actually, I know the creator of. I met her a, a little under a year ago um, out at MCM Comic Con in London. And she's doing a, a card game which is about sort of, each each one has like a comic strip on it and it's about storytelling, Karen. right? Um, Karen, Karen, uh, Karen Ribbons, yeah. Oh, have you spoken yeah, to her? Yeah, she's been All right, okay. Yeah. Of course. So um, I met Karen uh, a little under a year ago um, at MCM Comic Con, and we discussed her game, and I gave her some advice and so on. And 
um, you know, she uh, she removed the playing cardness from her cards after after she and I had a chat, and I said, look, I think this is confusing, and it doesn't doesn't help your theme too much. So, you know, that that was just one example, and we we sat down, we had a half hour chat, and and chatted about her game and how it might how it might be improved. Um, Karen's amazing. I thought and, Karen was a fan. Uh, Karen's awesome. Karen is absolutely. Uh, yeah, awesome. no. She, she we had a massive chat absolutely. about comics. We kind of talked about the game, but we talked mostly about comics when she was on the show. And she's um, she's actually potentially close to could actually funding, which is very, very, very. Yeah, good. I know. Yeah, um, I'm I'm pretty confident that she will fund. Um, as you might imagine from uh, uh, from the number of kickstarters I've done, I've I've done a bit of a a gut feel study on <laughs> Kickstarters in general. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of have a few rules of thumb that generally apply to most Kickstarters. So my rules of thumb say she will be funded. She doesn't have anything to worry about. Um, she'll, she'll probably go a couple of hundred over is my call. Um, she probably won't go a thousand over, but she'll go, she'll go a couple of hundred over is my, is my assessment. There we go. Um, and I couldn't be happier for her. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean it's good. Yeah, yeah. but you're saying that someone like that yeah. could do with a little bit. I, I could think, do with a I little think bit more that love. Kind of person yeah, yeah, could do with more. You know, more of a. You know, Kickstarter doesn't need to make the projects that are already going to make loads of money a project we love. It's not necessary because they're already going to make the money. Kicktrack doesn't need to put them at the top of the list because they're already going to make silly amounts of money. Yeah. You know, it's Batman. I'm sorry, it's Batman. It's a Batman miniatures game. It's going to do amazing. Right? And as you say, they've done a great campaign, their product looks good. I'm not knocking it in any exactly. way. I'm saying it doesn't need the help. Yeah. Right? There are other people out there who maybe aren't getting funded, or who maybe, you know, like myself, frankly, you know. Are are just kind of yes, I'm funded, but I'm I'm now kind of approaching the break even point. Yeah. Right. Um. And and I've made that choice to do a low funding goal and and make sure the book exists because I would rather put my own money into it than not have it exist. Um. And I feel like those people are the people who really ought to be given this boost. Uh. The people who have a new and interesting product, however it means that people have to go and look at every single project. And practically speaking, no one's going to do that. No. There's no one out there who's going to sit no. down and trawl through all of the tabletop gaming projects and go, wow, this is really different. This is really unique. It's really interesting. We really ought to put this 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 card project, you know, on a list. And, and anyone who really wants to find the unique stuff that otherwise they might not hear about, they need to go to this list and discover it. Yeah, well, because yeah. it'll be amazing. I mean, you're getting to the problems of like Netflix and kind of Amazon Video or Prime Video or whatever they call it yeah. where you've got you've got access to thousands and thousands of things you can watch. But generally, people will always usually end up watching a lot of the main stuff that everybody's talking about because they're not yeah. sure where they want to go. Time is very precious. Money is a very precious thing for a lot of people. They're trying to um get involved in experiences and, and still, you know, and you know, enjoy life at the same time. So they kind of take guidance from other places, which is which is kind of cool. No, I just as I say, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, Ed. I was just kind of No 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 I mean to get you, this you know, is something you know get your opinion this on. This is it. something that I feel very strongly about. Yeah. Um 
you know, as someone who's run so many Kickstarters who, you know, I have achieved success on Kickstarter. As you say, I've never achieved mega numbers. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've I've had a 10,000 Kickstarter. I've now got a 6,000 Kickstarter. I've had a couple of fives. You know, I, I've had some success on Kickstarter, but no, I'm not ever really expecting with one of my era games to get massive numbers because no one's ever heard of this property. And until they have, they're not going to back it in the hundreds and hundreds. But it's it's sort of a fact of life. And it's a bit sad, but there's not much you can do about it. Yeah, but at least you're the guy that is doing it. If you look at it this way, you yeah. could you know, you could be the person that I know I'm not, you know you could be the person that's just saying, Right, I've I've done five. That's enough. You know, or I've done ten, that's enough. You know, except you're the guy that's doing far more from that and you're just kinda, you know, ticking along you know, you're ticking along there, keeping putting out good content. There's people obviously playing your stuff and everything like that as well, which is which is cool. Yeah, I mean which and, is great, and, you know. Yeah, I mean I mean much like yourself, Richard, to be honest, um for me, um it, it's about two things. And first of all, it's about creating the content. First and foremost, I love being a game creator. I, I it is fulfilling, it is fun. It, don't get me wrong, it has bad times, as I'm sure, you know, doing this podcast probably has bad times as well. But, you know, it, it's something that I love doing, and I, I do not regret for a moment, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I can I can moan and complain, but I don't regret it. Yeah, if somebody said to me, um, if somebody said to me tomorrow, um, you can have the job that you've always wanted, or you can have the lifestyle that you've always wanted, but you can't really do the podcast anymore i'd be like okay <laughs> it'd be a, yeah i mean yeah you know it's a dis- i've, it's I've a sort of had a had a different discussion with someone you know what what if someone offered to buy era the consortium for a million pounds so i could never make anything in that universe ever again yeah but i'd have a million pounds could i sell that and that's not even a question i have an answer to you know um I, I don't even know. If that happened, I'd probably be totally blown away and unable to answer. <laughs> so um, let's hope it wouldn't be a time-sensitive situation. But, <laughs> but on my side, yeah, on my I, mean, side I, mean, I am completely kind of viable and shillable. So if somebody, if some, if somebody <laughs> did offer me the, like, the dream job, it's like, bye. <laughs> I could say, you'd like to buy 150 podcast episodes, you know. Some of them I don't always sound like an idiot, in, but no, I know you. I know. I know kind of where you where you're coming from. Yeah. Um. And so that's the first thing. I I love being a creator, and and I wouldn't want that to change. And as long as creation is my primary goal, I think I'm always going to make good stuff. That's that's my opinion. And if I like the stuff I make, then there are people out there who will like it. Absolutely. No one is that unique that they like something and no one else can find anything to like about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the the second thing is, as you were saying a moment ago, it's about putting out content and building that audience person by person, if that's what it takes. You know, um, my my mailing list, uh, you know, I I have opens and and clicks that make most of the gaming industry look really really poor. You know, I. Because everyone who's signed up to my mailing list or, or or is on my mailing list for because they back to Kickstarter, they already like my stuff, right? And they know that whatever I'm producing, it's going to be of the same quality because I've produced so many things 
of that level of quality. Yeah. So you might not like superheroes, and you might decide that you don't want to back Hero of the Empowered because you don't like superheroes. But you know that in six months, I'm going to have another game, maybe that's a horror game, for example. Yeah. And, and you know, I know, I know that that person's going to come back when I have a game of something that suits them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's about building that audience person by person, and I'm sure it's exactly it's been exactly the same way with you and We're Not Wizards. It's about getting that audience one listener at a time as you continue to make content and continue to prove that it's worth doing. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing. You know, I I, yeah. I still I I still love doing it because if I didn't love doing yeah. it, then I'd be stopping. But I mean, it's still an awful lot of fun, and I've met some absolutely wonderful people and my address book is embarrassing it's almost ma- it's almost matching up to my game collection now because I can almost, I can, I've almost kind of got like a list where I could say right the, here's the list here's the shelves of all the games of people I've spoken to that I and here's the shelves of all the games of people that I haven't spoken to and what I can do is I can move them from one shelf to another depending on when I've spoken to them or not um so just to recap um, nine days, roughly nine days to go. Probably eight, seven or eight by the time uh, this goes out. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It it ends on uh, it ends on. Let me get this right. March the eighteenth, Sunday, March the eighteenth at nine p.m. GMT. There you go. Uh, that's four p.m. EST. And it's uh, you're over. You're over double the funding. Uh, six thousand. You're right, six, We are six over double the funding. We've cool. unlocked a number of stretch goals, which is pretty cool. Um, we're at six thousand three hundred and twenty-eight as of recording. There you go. Um, we've got some more exciting stretch goals still to come. Um, one of them is actually a Golden Age Heroes source book. Okay. Uh, which I I think would be a really interesting thing. You know, this is this is the '60s superheroes, the colourful characters, and the terrible puns, and the dancing Batman, and and oh, I love it. a guy who. Um, Gained a superpower of luck because oh no sorry I'm I'm sorry it's a superpower of suave <laughs> because um he's French and uh, a, a, a cheese lorry crashed um and and the cheese kind of fell all over him and he became you know this this super suave guy you know cheese and you know men's perfume just fun. Uh, he became this super suave guy called Claude um <laughs> yeah it's 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 the it's the sort of absolutely nutty sixties. Um, silliness, which is what you want uh, in this in this golden age source which book. You want. Well, what we'll do is we'll make sure, as always, to there will be a link that will go into the show notes so people have some place to click so they can go through the visit the campaign, they can have a quick look, and they can consider pressing that button and and giving it a back. For people that are looking to find you in general, Mister Mister M. Mr. E D J zero W three 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 T T. Where can we find you on the internet webs, sir? Uh, you can find us at www.shadesofvengeance.com. Uh, that's our main website. Yes. Uh, it's got information about all of the games on there. If you want to know anything about any of them, uh, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, Shades of Vengeance. And if you're interested specifically in Era the Empowered, we actually have an official Era the Empowered Facebook group. Oh, okay. And um, if you join that, we actually put out daily content, um, stories, images, um, the audio stuff, um, all of that stuff. It's going out daily. There's new stuff 
um, at least until the end of the Kickstarter. Um, there'll be stuff every day. So there's now, you know, 40, 50 days of stuff to have a look at. Um, and find out more about Era of the Empowered, find out more about the universe and how you play and all of the rest of it. Cool. Well, as I say, we shall make um, we'll make sure we, yeah. we put all of these links in the show notes so that we've got notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, um, you can go to Spotify and you can search for We Are Not Wizards and we're there. So awesome. I'm, I'm so pleased for you. I've got to be honest. I'm just, just like delighted. It's brilliant. In it's all just, fairness, it was fantastic. it was pressing a button in the Podbean app and said, do you want to apply for Spotify? And we said, yes. And then they came back about three weeks Yeah, but, weeks but later. they agreed to it, right? I know. I mean, they agreed I feel to really it. sorry for the person that had to listen to the couple of episodes just to check that we weren't being kind of horrible people. But there we go. Or you can go to Twitter and you can go to Facebook and you can go to even YouTube. And if you search for We Are Not Wizards, you shall find us. You'll find us on Instagram. You'll find us on... Well, you'll find us if you've got a Podbean. If you've got our website, which is www.wearenotwizards.com, you'll find us on places like Spreaker and Stitcher and Acast and Podknife and Player FM. And there's a whole pile of places that we seem to turn Goodness. up. All, all these different lovely, wonderful places. Um, if you want a T-shirt, go to Redbubble. Um... We have a Patreon, but you know, we love everybody that's coming on that. This it's just ridiculous. It's like stop it, you know. You're embarrassing us, but thank you for everybody that's supporting us there. Um, if you like what you've listened tonight, please go to Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription. Um, because every time that somebody does that, it means that the snow doesn't come back again, and we don't want that to happen. If you like us even more, oh, so you are a wizard now? Don't because Ed. Like like whenever whenever they whenever they click a subscription, then like the snow doesn't come back. So you magically make it. No, so I'm a very powerful meteorologist. There's a difference. I know exactly which oh, cloud right. to interact with. So that's <laughs> not magic. That's pure science, my dear. Oh, I see. Um, I see. I see. <laughs> uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you'd like to leave us a rating or a review, that would be fantastic. Because that, as I say, that does help us tremendously and we appreciate every single person um that does that um if you are going to give us a rating or review remember don't give us 10 stars because it does make me big-headed and i'm starting to walk down the road like john travolta in saturday night fever with a tune in my head but don't give us a one because i am I have a face for podcasting and you do not want to see me cry because I am an ugly crier. But give us something in the middle which is like a five because it's average and we are decidedly average. But the gentleman who has not been average tonight, he's just, he's on probation, he's a repeat offender, he's... <laughs> He's a top guy, and I have a lot of time for him. You're gonna, you're gonna have to come up with a new term for me, you know, because I am gonna come back at some <laughs> just point. Just a lifer. Um, you, you, are just gonna have to come up with something. I'm gonna have to think about it. I don't know. Um, it's a rather wonderful, rather Before fantastic. long, I'll be heading to the electric chair. <laughs> it's the death row master. That is Mr. Ed. <laughs> it's Mr. Ed Jowett. So again, thank you very much for coming on, Ed. Um, it's always a pleasure thank you for having me um, and there's only two more things to do remember the first thing is that um, remember that we are many things but we're not wizards are we Ed we're no not we're superheroes That's we're, exactly we're superheroes right. we're not wizards yes we are uh, we're flying through the sky we're pulling things out of our pockets we're 
running at the speed of sound, we are have the ability to make sure that you are not able to shut any of your cupboard doors fully for the next 24 <laughs> hours. That's such a good power. <laughs> it is. It just imagine that it would work on drawers as well. That's what you'd upgrade. Is oh got, no, not drawers as well. Powerful? Oh goodness. It'd just be a little bit. And do you know what I do? It always make sure that there was always a little bit of material stip- sticking up, so you could never, <laughs> Out you of could the never shut the drawer. Oh my god! <laughs> no. So you just wake up in the morning. And go, I thought I shut this drawer. It's like there's a bit. I can't get this stuck. I mean, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> An absolute nightmare. You could drive people just to distraction with that. And the second thing, <laughs> rather than going off on drawer tangent, is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Mr. Ed Jowett. Say goodbye from Shades of Vengeance. Say goodbye, Ed. Goodbye. And uh, Thank you for listening. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and... Um, uh, tens, tens, please. Tens. Roll tens. We always roll tens when Ed is on. Um... <laughs> and check out you know check out Era the Empowered um, but until the next time um, it's you wouldn't say to infinity and beyond that's Buzz Lightyear isn't it <laughs> uh, how about Martian Pants Man Protector of the Universe that's a good way to go <laughs> watch out well I've got in my pockets <laughs> but, but until the, until the next time goodbye <laughs> <laughs>